Hey, everyone. It's Alex Bloomberg with just a quick note. This show that you're about to hear was originally broadcast last year. It was a podcast that I did with our then intern, Taylor Tepper. We're bringing it to you again this year in advance of this year's NBA All-Star Game, which I'm sure I don't need to tell any of you happens this weekend. All right. On to the show. Hey, Taylor, check this out. You remember this? James. Yeah, it's, it's LeBron James, and it's the 2012 NBA Finals. Right, and I should say, Taylor, you're our intern here at Planet Money, and we have teamed up on today's podcast about the NBA. Oh, wait. Here, here, here. Falls down. Fisher picks it up. So LeBron James, he, he slips and twists his ankle. This is game four of the finals. It's the fourth quarter. And he has to leave the game. He's, just, he's out of the game. And then with just three minutes left, the score is tied. He limps back on the court. Slow to get up. It's a five on three. Fisher to the basket. Oh, what a block from Wade. James down the other end now. Pulls up and banks it in. What a turnaround. <laughs> it was such an amazing moment. He was so good that series. I mean, he was just unbelievable. He had like, he averaged like 30 points a game. He had all these assists. It was just an incredibly dominant performance. And, of course, they went on to win the entire series. He was the MVP. Right. And and even if you're not a sports fan, you probably know about LeBron James. He's the best basketball player today. He's arguably one of the best ever. You see him on TV and you see him on billboards. You see him everywhere. But what you may not know and what we're talking about today is LeBron James might also be the most underpaid professional athlete in the world today. Yes, LeBron James almost certainly has been extremely underpaid for his entire career. Victor Matheson is an economist at Holy Cross University. Another economist, Kevin Greer from the University of Oklahoma, puts it even more bluntly. He's getting hosed. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, and welcome to Planet Money. Today, how LeBron James, a man making what most of us would consider a pretty good salary, $17.5 million a year, how he is getting hosed, and why the NBA team owners, the players, the fans, and even LeBron James himself want to keep it that way. Okay, so, Taylor, let's lay out the case for how a multimillionaire like LeBron James is getting hosed. And to do that, let's imagine a job description, something you might see on Monster.com or in a newspaper, wanted, once-in-a-generation NBA superstar. Skills required, must be able to soar through the air in order to execute thunderous dunks. Check. LeBron with a takeaway by himself. Oh, yeah. Must be a team player who works well in small groups of five, who can facilitate performance by executing impossible-seeming cross-court passes to barely open teammates. Check. James in the open floor. Beautiful pen. Must thrive under pressure, preference given to tall, strong, and extremely agile candidates, and ability to play suffocating lockdown defense is a plus. Again, economist Victor Matheson. By lots and lots of measures, LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. Uh, if he keeps playing at this pa- uh, pace that he has for the last 10 years and has a lengthy career that is not interrupted by injuries, he may go down as the best player in the history of the game. All right. So say you work at an imaginary human resources department, LeBron James resume with I got to figure a highlight reel lands on your desk and you got to figure out how much do we pay this guy? What is he worth? How do you figure that out? If only there was a way to determine just how much value he adds to a team. Like, say, this job candidate somewhere in his employment history, say he'd switched teams and you were able to compare the economic impact of that switch. 
Yeah, if only. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? So to anyone with even a passing interest in sports, you'll remember this. It's when LeBron James decided to leave his old team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and go to his new team, the Miami Heat. And this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. This decision, it was actually called The Decision. It was broadcast on primetime around the world. This was huge sports news for everyone. His old team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they felt betrayed. Fans there burned his jersey. LeBron James was reviled on sports talk radio for weeks and months, and basically a whole year to come. But that's not why we're talking about this moment. No, it's not. No, no. We're talking about it because it gives us a pretty clear picture of how valuable LeBron James is. When he left the Cavaliers, the value of the team... That is, how much it would have been worth if the team's owner had tried to sell the team. Exactly. That value dropped by about 25%. And the value of the team that he went to, the Miami Heat, went up 30%. This is all according to calculations done by Forbes magazine. And when you take all this into account, how much ticket sales would go up, how much TV revenue would go up... The people who study this will tell you that LeBron James should be making around $40 million a year, more than double his current salary. And there we have it, the mathematically precise amount by which LeBron James is getting hosed. He's getting hosed out of over $20 million a year. All right. So if that's the case, let's say I'm the general manager of my beloved Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) We're not that good. We're stuck in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's that's all right. What's to stop me from saying, we'll get to your team in a minute. (laughs) What's to stop me from saying, hey, LeBron James, I will pay you your full value. I'll pay you $40 million a year if you come on over and play for my team. Well, as you know, Alex, you're not allowed to do that. No, I'm not. No. There is a salary cap in the NBA. There's a limit on how much owners can pay their players. Yeah, there's a limit on how much they can pay in salaries overall, and there's a limit on how much an owner can pay any individual. Literally, it's called a maximum contract, and you're not really allowed to go over that without incurring some very hefty fines. So no matter how rich a basketball team owner is, and there are some really rich ones. Yeah, including the Brooklyn Nets owner. (laughs) They're not really able to pay LeBron James what he's actually worth to them. And that's one way LeBron James is getting hosed, the salary cap. But the salary cap, that is just the beginning of the long saga of how LeBron James gets hosed. There is another feature of the NBA's rules that is arguably even worse for LeBron James, and that is the draft. Now, for sports fans, this system, the draft system, it's so ingrained, it seems pretty normal. But when you actually describe it out loud to people, as we've had to do going through the edit of this podcast, (laughs) when you describe it out loud to people who don't know that much about sports, it all of a sudden seems really bizarre. So the system is this. When players want to go to the NBA, they don't do what happens in almost any other field in the world. Send their resumes or highlight reels to the teams they want to play for. And then if the team makes an offer, they negotiate over that offer. And then both parties come to a final decision about where they will play, and for what salary. No, no, no. In the NBA, it's way weirder than that. So potential job applicants... That is, the best young basketball players in the world today. Right, right. So those applicants, they put their names into this big pool. And then there's a lottery, literally with ping pong balls and those crazy plastic tubes. And the 14 worst teams in the league all have to draw a number. And whoever draws the winning number gets the right to pick first from that big pool of talent out there. And this is the weird part. Whatever player that team picks, he can't say no. He has no choice. And not only that, he can't negotiate his salary. His players' union has already negotiated an upper limit to how much rookies can get paid. And this is the way it works, even 
if you are a once-in-a-lifetime talent like LeBron James. With the first pick in the 2003 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select LeBron James. Players are drafted, just like soldiers are drafted during a war. In this case, Cleveland drafted LeBron James. He couldn't go work for the Los Angeles Lakers, the New York Knicks, or the Boston Celtics. No. He was going to go to Cleveland whether he liked it or not. And it's just, imagine if other fields were set up this way. Like, let's say you're the best young software engineer at MIT. (laughs) Instead of going out to Silicon Valley and getting hired for an insane starting salary by Google, you had to put your name into a pool with other engineers And then the worst companies in America got to draw random numbers. And then one day you would get a letter saying, I don't know, you've been hired to work in the IT department at Best Buy. That would just be amazingly frustrating. (laughs) But this is basically what happened to LeBron James. I mean, everyone knew he was going to be great, even in high school. In a free market, there would have been a huge bidding war for him with some of the best teams in the league trying to woo him. But instead, the woeful Cleveland Cavaliers happened to win the lottery. They got to select him. He had no say. And they were able to pay him far less than he was worth. So that brings us to an obvious question at this point. Why is it set up this way? Why is there a limit on how much teams can spend? Why is there a draft system? And who is getting all those extra million dollars that should be going to LeBron James? Well, again, here is Victor Matheson from Holy Cross. There's certainly one big winner in the salary cap system is the owners themselves by reducing the amount that they have to pay for their labor and how, you know, to provide their product, they certainly generate significantly higher profits. And we see sports teams in the United States be far more profitable than sports teams in Europe, which typically don't have salary caps. All right. So I guess you can see why owners would want to arrange things so that they had to pay their superstars way less than the market value. They want to keep some of that money that they'd otherwise pay to LeBron. They want to keep that for themselves. And in fact, it's actually illegal under antitrust laws for owners of other businesses to collude about salaries the way that owners of NBA teams do. But the NBA, like other sports leagues, got itself exempted from these antitrust laws. But it's not just colluding owners who are the ones hosing LeBron James. His less talented teammates are hosing him out of his money as well. So remember, these salary cap rules, they came about as part of the collective bargaining agreement between the owners and the NBA Players Union itself. Here is our other economist, Kevin Greer. Well, the union is is union votes on contracts by majority rule, right? So we would think if it's like majority rule that it would be the guy in the middle who would be the crucial voter, right? If you you could line, if you pick pick a thing like salary cap and line everybody up for who wants it the most versus who wants it the least... It would be the guy right in the middle of that distribution of players, the median player. What are their interests? And the answer is the median player, the non-superstar, they don't want all the money to go to LeBron James either. <laughs> they want some of that money for themselves. So when I think about this, I think of Mike Miller, like one of LeBron James's teammates. Chances are even a casual fan knows about LeBron James. Probably you've heard of LeBron's superstar teammate, Dwayne Wade. But Mike Miller? No one outside of a hardcore basketball fan really knows who Mike Miller is. And He's a good player. He's an excellent shooter. He plays pretty good defense. But in a non-salary cap world, he probably wouldn't be making nearly $6 million a year, which is what he's making now. In a non-salary cap world, teams would probably want to pay LeBron James a bit more and Mike Miller a bit less. So perhaps an even bigger reason that LeBron James' teammates really like this crazy system of the salary cap in the draft is that it expands the total number of jobs. 
And here it might be instructed to talk about my Washington Wizards. Do we have to? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because it's possible that without this system in place, almost none of the players on my team would even have a job. This for the tie from Gennaro Pargo, and it gets nothing. No iron, no rim, no backboard, no nothing. So we should explain we're watching uh, a sad highlight from a Washington Wizards game, and it's sort of the opposite of the LeBron James highlight. Final seconds of the game, the score is tied. The Wizards player, Gennaro Pargo, takes the shot for the win, and... He misses it. Airball. Airball. He did as well as I would have done. So... (laughs) The Wizards are a terrible basketball team. The record this year is the worst in the league. I mean, you can buy a Wizards ticket from a scalper for a dollar, maybe even less. If the Wizards existed in the real economy, they'd be like Studebaker or the Saturday Evening Post, out of business. But because the Wizards are a team in the NBA, they don't go out of business. Because they can always rise again through the draft. (laughs) If they stay one of the worst teams in the league, they are guaranteed a really high draft pick which means they get a good shot at maybe getting the next LeBron, a great player who could get them winning again. And because of the salary cap system, they'll be able to keep that player and keep him from getting poached by like a richer team in a bigger market. Okay, so you've got this crazy system that rewards failure, encourages collusion by business owners, sets up essentially a system of conscription as a method of recruiting and distributing talent. It's a system that free market economists like Kevin Greer, the one that we talked to at the University of Oklahoma, would seem to hate, right? Well, it's, it's wrong as it turns out. You know, I think it's not a horrible a horrible overall system in terms of maximizing the viability, revenue, profitability of the league. So Kevin Greer may be an economist, but he's also a basketball fan. A basketball fan in a very small market that has benefited enormously from this crazy system. And the argument he's making is that by making the economics of the NBA as anti-competitive as possible, you make the league as competitive as possible. So even a fan like Kevin Greer, who lives in a small market town like Oklahoma City, can root for a really great competitive team, a team that was able to draft great players like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and pay them far less than they're actually worth. His team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, in fact, went to the finals last year, and they could do it again this year, which would be very unlikely without (laughs) the system in place. Exactly. And Kevin Greer is not the only one out there. There are lots more fans now in towns all across the country that wouldn't have competitive teams to root for if not for this crazy system. And more fans all across the country, that's good for the NBA. Again, Victor Matheson. So generally, players' unions have agreed to restrictions in order to try to increase competitive balance in the league, which the players believe is going to increase the overall size of the pie. So again, if the average sports fan nationwide is, is kind of like me saying uh, we want every team to have a chance at least every once in a while to be a contender, uh, if you think that's the sort of thing that most sports fans care about, then that's going to generate more revenue for the league as a whole. And so the, pl- the players want that, that pie to be as big as possible so when they get their slice, it's as much as they can get. And this brings us to the final answer to our mystery. There is one group who really doesn't seem to get much out of this arrangement. LeBron James and his superstar colleagues. (laughs) Why don't he and Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant and all the other superstars who are getting hosed by this system, why don't they band together and go on strike? That would be the most elite labor action in history. It's fun to imagine, right? It's just crazy. They'd have velvet everywhere. (laughs) So... But the problem is that they kind of benefit from this, too. 
If the league overall is bigger and more popular and generating fans in all these towns that otherwise wouldn't have fans, then that's great for LeBron. Because most of his money doesn't come from his salary, it comes from endorsements. And the bigger the league is, the bigger his platform is, the more money he'll get for those endorsements. Again, economist Victor Matheson. So the NBA is is a relatively minor-ish component of his overall compensation. But if he wasn't in the NBA, that outside compensation wouldn't wouldn't be there probably. Or it wouldn't be there nearly as much. I mean if he was the world's if he was like the the three time Olympic decathlon champ, right, he would no in no way be making near the amount of endorsement money that he's making. LeBron James isn't getting paid his full market value, but it's not like he has another option that would pay him more than he makes now getting hosed by the NBA. The NBA creates the market for his talents. Right. And LeBron James is a basketball player, and there's only one National Basketball Association. It was around before LeBron was drafted and will still be around after he retires. The only thing rarer than LeBron James's basketball talent is a basketball league that will only pay him $17.5 million a year for that talent. It's 2014, Alex, again, with a quick update. The Miami Heat did indeed win the championship, the NBA championship, last year, further cementing LeBron James's place in history and further cementing the idea that he is vastly underpaid. The Washington Wizards have improved quite a bit this year. They are no longer a basement dweller in the NBA, and right now they have won almost as many games at this point, a little past midway through the season, than they did all year last year, and they seem on pace to make the playoffs for the first time in a long time. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments. Please write to us at planetmoney at NPR. You can contact us on Facebook or Twitter or check out our blog, planetmoney.com. I'm Alex Bloomberg. On behalf of me and Taylor Tepper, who's moved on to bigger and better things, thanks for listening. Stop.